You're listening to episode 28 with Tia Lebhairs, Director of Outreach and Special Projects for the California Water Efficiency Partnership. This episode is sponsored by Drop Counter. Hi, this is Kendall Haven, master storyteller, author, and story consultant. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of storytelling in water communication. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. We are dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you want to overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact. Ariane, you are bar none one of the most organized people I know. (laughs) That's a joke, but continue. So yeah, where do you keep your water bills then, huh? You know, like the announcements from the city, your annual usage, rebate information, et cetera, et cetera. Ha! In the closet with the rest of my skeletons. Well, we both know that that's brimming, but let's... Free up some of that space with Drop Counter. Drop Counter is the water utility customer portal built with direct input of utility staff like you. Drop Counter consolidates a customer's consumption, tier information, utility announcements and alerts, rebates, and more, all in one app, downloadable today from the Apple or Android App Store. Drop Counter helps customers better understand their water use, tier schedule, irrigation schedule, and more, which increases customer satisfaction and reduces your customer service call traffic. So your team can focus on what's important. Learn more about Drop Counter at dh2duo.com forward slash drop counter. That's D-R-O-P-C-O-U-N-T-R. We preach collaboration and we strive to be a resource for our peeps out there by sharing our stories and experiences and other people's stories and experiences. And so we really gained a lot from learning what our friend Tia Lebhairs is doing with CalWeb to be a resource for water efficiency folks in California. And even though they're in California, we felt like the lessons we learned could be transferable to any organization anywhere. Some of our biggest takeaways from our conversation with Tia were the immense value that comes from bringing all water users to the table, dispelling myths around contentious regulations and issues, and the impact and outcomes of conducting a listening tour. And as a bonus, Tia gives the YPs out there some great lessons to live by. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Tia Libharis has spent her career working with environmental and water nonprofit and municipal organizations, both in her home state of California and across the county, including the Water Now Alliance, Imagine H2O, and Food and Water Watch. Her experience and skills include organizing, advocacy, facilitation, coalition development, and strategic engagement. She also has extensive media and communications expertise. Tia graduated with honors from the University of California, Santa Cruz, with a BA in Environmental Studies and completed Green Corps, a competitive fellowship program for environmental organizing. In her spare time, Tia enjoys coaching youth soccer, finding any excuse to travel up and down the West Coast, and working on her side project to launch a water-neutral winery in California called Ardebosh. Did I say that right, Tia? (laughs) Ardebosh, but super, yeah, it's good. Almost close, close. Our debauch. Okay, so how have we known you for almost a year and we don't know that you want to create a water neutral winery in California? <laughs> I don't know because we even, we were pouring it at the event that we met. At oh, the- I'd imagine it's too well. Yeah. Ah, okay. So that was your wine? Yeah, I mean, my wine would be kind of rude to take all the credit, but... Um, <laughs> I work, I met through actually working in water 
some just like rad dudes, um, almost retired men who have a lot of hobbies in making wine. And they were like, we're going to retire. We want to turn our hobby into a business and we want it to be water neutral and we want you on our board. So here's some equity in our business. And I like signed the LLC papers. Nice. And um, yeah, we're, we're working to offset the water used in the production of our grapes by installing low flow shower heads in low income communities within the watershed that the grapes are grown. So <laughs> wow. Oh <laughs> let's do a podcast on that. Scrap all of this. Let's talk about wine. Yeah, let's just yes. talk about wine. Okay. Deleting all the questions mm-hmm. and just going for that. That is amazing. I don't I remember thoroughly enjoying that wine, but I guess just on that initial encounter, we just didn't think to to ask about it. But that's amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. Well, it's cool. fun too because we get to donate it to all the events that you know, yeah, and the water space, which I generally have a hand in. So I know an event that's going to be in June. We should talk. Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> have some water reuse beer and some water neutral wine. I think that would be, you know, the epitome of the event. So yes. Okay. But uh, anyways, er, rewind. Okay. So first things first, give us your water story. Like what brought you to the water sector? Yeah, no, I I was listening to my bio and thinking, oh yeah, I I definitely came from the environmental world. Um, And what's not in my bio is that I actually came to water through agriculture. So I was studying sustainable agriculture at UC Santa Cruz, working on their amazing farm and decided that if I wanted to work on food and, and water issues kind of broadly, I needed to get outside of my coastal California bubble UC Santa Cruz is like the epitome of that bubble. Yeah. Um, and so I moved to Cleveland and Detroit and I lived there for a couple of years and I was you working. Really got out of the bubble. Really. Yeah. Just not even, you know, pretty much went, I don't know. I love the Midwest. It's, it's like a, a little side passion of mine. Um, but I went there and I was working on federal farm legislation and the farm bill in Ohio and I was working on some energy, like coal plant, you know, Sierra Club type campaigning. Um, and then in Detroit, I started working more with the water system and particularly with the unions there. And I, at that same time, it was like this perfect kind of um, confluence of life happenings where I was getting really into water. I was working in a state that you're never more than six miles away from a fresh body of water. It's Mm -hmm. water rich. 21% of the world's fresh water surface supply is in Michigan in the Great Lakes. And I looked back home and it was 2013 and we were in one of the worst droughts in California's history. Yeah. And I thought to myself, all right, you know, I've amassed some skills in organizing and in community outreach and my home state is hurting right now. And so I want to go back home um, and work on these drought issues. So I came back to California. Um, when I got here, I was still in the environmental community. And water is like the most polarizing political issue. I mean, you guys are in Texas, so you know. But in California in particular, we've got this north-south rivalry. we got the environmental farmer utility like it's so divisive and that is like the opposite of my frame of how we can get any work done right now we're not going to succeed in anything we do unless we have better communication we have um you know people talking to each other we have people caring about each other being compassionate towards each other's needs um 
And so after a few years of kind of banging my head against a wall, (laughs) (laughs) um, but still, you know, working on water and food and stuff in California, I was like, I need to, I need to, I need to work on solutions and I need to find a way to work on solutions where we're building bridges um, and also where we're directly talking to people about their water. Because Mm -hmm. I found that for a lot of these bigger politically charged water issues, customers and consumers and ratepayers and my friends and my family, they did not care. They don't, they don't know where their water comes from. They don't, um, you know, they just, it comes out of the tap and that's all they kind of need to know. So when we're talking about the drought, they're like, well, I turned off the water when I brushed my teeth, so I'm good. Yeah. And you're like, that's yeah, super important. Thank you so much for doing that. Also, there's a million other things that you should know about your water. Um, yeah. And so I was really excited to go work um, at Water Now Alliance, mm-hmm. Cynthia Kohler, working with, so she was just starting the organization when I hopped on board. Um, doing communications and outreach and being able to take all of the lessons that I've learned through being a community organizer and apply it into this new municipal water space. Mm -hmm. And we were working with mayors and city councilmen who are the voting voting board members of their water district. Um, So a lot of these people that were elected because they wanted to get a stoplight put in on their city block. And now they're making decisions over, you know, water rates and water programs and you know we're trying to do their best but needed a little bit more help and so we were reaching out to those you know particular audiences um and that got me into the like water utility space right that's when I started working really with water service providers and really finding out that they are some of the most passionate creative and like brilliant people working yeah. on the water on the municipal water level um, and a lot of them are engineers and scientists and policy wonks but one thing that the municipal water side I think is a little thin on and you guys know this because we're the same but um, <laughs> are these communicators these you know communication focused um, individuals who you know want to help take all of these brilliant ideas and get them moving by bringing more people to the table. So anyway, that was a really long, um, that was a really long story about how I got here. So that's cool. Well, you covered a lot of great points, uh, you know, especially electeds. I love like you really, you nailed that one in terms of, yeah, like a lot of people get involved because of this one issue in their own neighborhood that's really pissing them off. And then, you know, they get into this position now where they're making these decisions that are completely outside of their wheelhouse. And so, I mean, you nailed that. And, um, you know, you talk about, you mentioned several times about like organizing and collaboration, but you're like the epitome of that. I don't know. Like when I think of, when I think of connectors, I mean, I, I feel like when I'm, the cool thing about you is that like, you're not just connected within your own industry. It's like when I, or not your own industry, but your own like little network. I feel like when I'm with Tia, I'm going to meet somebody who's from way over here and then way over there and this. And so you're kind of like the epitome of the, um, the connector, which we'll get into more a little bit later, but think uh, that's awesome. I hadn't heard your whole story. So that was great. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain to us, um, Alliance for Water Efficiency, CalWEP, that relationship and how uh, you guys work together? 
Yeah, this is exciting. So the California Water Efficiency Partnership, we are the first state chapter of the Alliance for Water Efficiency. So the Alliance for Water Efficiency, uh, the Alliance for Water Efficiency is a stakeholder-based nonprofit um, dedicated to efficient and sustainable water use. Um, so they're essentially the national voice for water efficiency. They're based in Chicago. They're national. They also have members in Canada, so they're kind of North America wide. Um, and have been a leader on this for years. Right. Um, CalWEP, California Water Efficiency Partnership, which we generally refer to as the partnership and the alliance are kind of our names for each. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, CalWEP actually relaunched earlier this year. Um, it was the California Urban Water, or the California Urban Water Conservation Council. Um, <laughs> Mouthful. Yeah, I know. We we love acronyms in the water industry, don't we? <laughs> so CalWEP is a way better acronym, first yeah. of all. Um, but so we uh, we relaunched as this member service organization that we work in partnership with the Alliance now, um, which is amazing. So we're both membership based. Everyone pays dues to be a part of us. You, If you're a member of CalWEP, you're a member of AWE. If you're a California-based member of AWE, you're a member of CalWEP. And um, we are able to share resources. We're able to partner on a lot of research. So, you know, a lot of research that's happening already is happening in California just because we're massive and have a lot of the tech and water stuff going on here. Um, And so that way we're able to really, I think, leverage the value of membership Mm -hmm. um, for the people who are involved. And both, both organizations are about bringing diverse stakeholders to the table. So while CalWEP, we're primarily... Our membership is primarily wholesale and retail water agencies. Mm-hmm. We also have nonprofit organizations, environmental groups, service providers like small businesses, yeah. consultants, academics, um, and with you know the overall goal to really bring these diverse stakeholders to the table and facilitate partnerships, research opportunities, program outreach, um, you know, you name it. Yeah. And that's awesome. Cause all, you know, everybody uses water, but so very few times do people outside of the industry get the opportunity to be brought to the table. So that's, that's awesome that you're, you know, getting all those different perspectives and those backgrounds to talk about something that's important to all of them, you know, like water is, even though, like you said, our friends and our family are like, yeah, whatever I turn on the faucet, it comes out. Um, maybe not so much on the national consciousness yet in terms of thinking about it on a daily basis, like, you know, we do, but, um, it's still, it's something that's important to everyone. So that's awesome that you guys are bringing everyone to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside of CalWEP kind of rebranding, revamping itself, there's a lot going down in California <laughs> right now Woo! in regards to the, uh, the state legislature, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways from our time at WaterSmart this year was just hearing about all of the things that are going down in California, um, you know, talking to you, talking to Marianne Dickinson, and um, really getting us filled in. So can you fill us in a little bit on these new water conservation regs that are going down in California? I'd love to fill you in on these new water <laughs> conservation regs. Um, I mean, we could do a you know, three hour podcast just on California legislation. People are doing it, right? Like we've done webinars. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try not to get too in the weeds, but enough okay. in the weeds so people can understand um, for a little bit of context. So when I, the aforementioned drought that I was talking about, 
um, Governor Brown issued an executive order um, requiring that utilities cut their water use by 25% across the board. And that was in the first mandatory reduction, but it was also uh, caused a lot of uproar because no matter where you were in your conservation efforts, you were all, everyone was being asked to conserve the same amount. Mm. So in an effort to, um, you know, embed long-term conservation into how we use water in California, the legislature passed SB 606 and AB 1668. Mm -hmm. They were signed into law on May 31st of this year. Um, and they provide a framework for setting water use targets, as well as implementing and enforcing the new water use requirements. Um, so what this means is that essentially we're trying to be proactive. The state's trying to be less reactive and, you know, uh, the, the line that goes with it is we're making cons water conservation a California way of life. Yeah. Um, and lots of the details of these new, this new legislation is still being worked out. Um, but essentially, the overall framework includes setting water use targets, water budgets for each utility, each water provider or service area. And those water budgets include broadly these three buckets. So these three buckets of um, targets are added together to create your overall goal. The first bucket is indoor residential use. So it's setting a target of 55 gallons per person per day. Um, and that will drop incrementally over you know, the next 15 or mm -hmm. I guess 2030 is 12 years um, to 50 gallons. Mm -hmm. And so this will be, so your indoor water use target will be 55 gallons per person per day times your population times 365 days equals, boom, your yearly indoor water use. Then outdoor water use, which is still being figured out. There's a lot to be done here, but this will be based on the amount of irrigable landscaped area yeah. or your residential or dedicated irrigation commercial accounts. Um, and this will take into consideration the community's climate. So how much it takes to go grass in Monterey, California, right on the coast versus the Inland Empire is really different. Yeah. And so this outdoor landscape is attempting to take that into consideration. Um, and then finally, there'll be a standard that's based on water loss due to leaks in the water system and pipes. And this is also still being worked out. But essentially, the, the idea behind this is that you get these three targets, you add them together, you get a water budget, and then it's up to the water provider to figure out how they want to meet this. So do they want to, you know, really invest in outdoor irrigation control or turf rebates to really come in below their outdoor water use because they know that their indoor is always going to be a little bit above 55? Do they want to, you know, is their market not saturated and they still have a ton of opportunity to invest in like low flow toilets and they can yeah. really bring their indoor down. So it's meant to be more flexible for the utilities. Um, it hasn't come without a lot of like everything related to water in California, right? There's been a lot of contention. There's been a lot of, um, it's been a long process to get here and we're not, <laughs> in, I mean, we're like, we're here, but we still have a long way to go in terms of actually, figuring out how these um, regulations are going to be set. We've got the elections coming up. So everywhere is, is ad is campaign ads. And I, I feel like there's one that even talks about how one of the, of course, one of the democratic candidates is trying to make Texas more like California. So, which I thought was hilarious. So like there's this perception that, you know, Californ Californians are all 
on board, but like that isn't exactly the case. You know, you were talking about the, all this contention and people haven't exactly been accepting mm -hmm. these new regs with wide open arms. Cause like everyone assumes everyone in California wants to do all these things, but as is the way of the world today, you know, a lot of rumors and speculation have started circulating in California about what these new regulations are going to mean. Uh, so can you kind of dispel some of those myths and share with us how CalWeb has been working to get the truth out? Yeah. Um, so one of the kind of first messages that popped up in a blog and then got taken away by media and social media was the headline was something along the lines of, um, California passes water restrictions. You won't be able to shower and do laundry in the same day. Mm. <laughs> you guys hear about this? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that, I mean, that's a sexy headline, right? That, like, is, that is something right. that if you're a newspaper editor, you're like, yep, people are going to pick up and read my newspaper. Hashtag clickbait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, that was really problematic. And I think indicative of something that the water industry is pretty notorious for, which is um, getting caught on our heels yeah. when bad things happen, right? We're yeah. um, less proactive and more reactive generally. You only really yeah. hear about your water system when there's a leak or rates are going up or whatever. Yeah. So the same thing happened. Um, this got picked up and it was really hard. You know, we were hearing from our members that customers were calling and they were angry and they were saying, you know, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. Why, you know, how, what I'm, I need to do shower. How am I supposed to meet these things? I can't live <laughs> on 55 gallons a day, you know? And they were like, 55 gallons a day, but I have a lawn and you're like, well, they're different. It's separate from, you know, so, um, so CalWeb, the first thing that we did, we have a, a long plan over the next couple of years to really invest in tools and resources for our members to help them meet these conservation framework. Um, but one of the first things we did was immediately put together a media and outreach toolkit. Mm. Um, and this is, you can download it on calweb.org or check it out. Um, because you know, we have some things that are just member benefit only, but this was one of the things where we were like, as, as many people that want to use this, we want them to use it. Yeah. So it includes um, infographics and shareable images for social media, along with social media posts to really get out there and dispel some of these um, terrible rumors, uh, FAQs, talking points for customer service, reps. Um, what else did we include? Oh, like um, blog newsletter kind of. So we, we put together, we kept it as a word document so that people could literally just like copy paste. We highlighted like insert your rebate program here, insert you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. here. But a lot of our members are small and midsize and don't have the big, you know, public information departments that can right. turn on a dime. And so yeah. we wanted to really hand deliver as much as we could. And we're going to continue to do that um, in order to try to get ahead of some of these stories, especially as the regulations continue to be formed and come out, I'm sure we're going to hear more of, of the, you know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. messages. <laughs> it's only going to get better. Oh or, my gosh. Or, I don't know. <laughs> my mom called and she asked me, she was like, what are you doing? Like, I, you, I can't shower and do laundry. And I was like, oh, how did you like, mother of all people, you know, like how this is bad when your mom gets a mm -hmm. bad message, you yeah. know, that it's, you're in trouble. <laughs> yes. I think that her daughter single-handedly just yeah. ruined indoor water use for the state Thanks of California. A lot, Tia. <laughs> like, people at church are mad at you. <laughs> I'm like, <Yeah>. damn mom. <laughs> so, uh, CalWeb is super passionate. This is what I've learned in 
in our time of talking to you about it is Calwep is incredibly passionate about being people driven and really being a resource for its members. So what are some of the things that you all have done as an organization, like in terms of strategic planning and member assessment to really kind of foster that culture of customer? Yeah. So I think that if you look back at the last couple of years of like CalWeb and the council before that, you know, I came in at a really lovely time when they'd already gone through all of this transformation and whatnot. And they kind of, they hand delivered me a strategic plan and said, look what we put together. Um, and for me, I was, I was really impressed. I, and I can say that because I wasn't part of it. So I can say, you know, <laughs> they brought a ton of people to the table and said, let's think about the next two years. Where's California going? Where can we help? Um, and one of the things that came out of the strategic plan besides, you know, 56 action items of things we're going to be working on, um, was the need to do a listening tour, um, and to really get in and talk to all of the members to figure out what they wanted to do. And so there's kind of two things that I would mention in, in terms of, um, being, a, you know, driven to be a resource for his members. One is putting together the strategic plan. And two is doing the listening tour and then watching how those two um, affected each other yeah. and really aligned with each other mm -hmm. to create our path forward um, in, in what we wanted to do. And so um, one of the major shifts from the council to the partnership was this idea of being a service organization for mm -hmm. our membership. Um, and so we have really taken that to heart in kind of everything that we have done and are planning to do. Mm -hmm. And are really starting to hit our stride in, in terms of getting those products out the door and into the hands of, the, of our members. Nice. Awesome. Okay. So you touched a little bit about the listening tour. Can you tell us more about that and the online discussion boards you implemented? Like what were some of the differences you saw um, in the results between your wholesale members and your government entities? So we did um, an extensive listening tour, which was something that I have never, I've always thought broadly, like I've always been a big fan of surveys, right? Mm -hmm. We need to survey people after we do an event, before we do an event, we need to figure out how people really feel. Yeah. Um, and this was a huge project that was undertaken by the partnership, um, done over several months. So currently we have 221 members in California. And in this uh, listening tour, 131 of them participated in online surveys, um, and 45 of them participated in some deep qualitative work. So the mm -hmm. 45 was the discussion boards, telephone calls. Um, again, I mentioned that California has this like north-south thing going on. Yeah. And so really making sure that we were pretty much, you know, split 50-50 in terms of the audience that we were talking to. Mm -hmm. um, but we did this in an effort to figure out what are the key takeaways? What do our members want? Um, how do they feel about CalWeb right now? Where are they at? And what do they think is going to be helpful moving forward? Um, and so we found, you know, broadly that there were five major key takeaways of what they wanted in a service organization. Um, one is the value of connections. So ding, ding, ding. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. <laughs> My dream answer. Actually, <laughs> like access to relationship building with water efficiency stakeholders in California. So. Um, that's across the board, you know, community-based organizations to businesses to other utilities that are doing, you know, other water utilities that are doing good work. 
um, research, so the ability to conduct research and provide opportunities to partner. So this is really the idea of like the passing of the hat of we all want to do this great research project, but not one of us can do it on our own, but together right. we, we really can get it done. And so having that platform in order to do that. Mm -hmm. um, another one that came up that we were actually excited about because it was something we hadn't been doing recently is advocacy. So really yeah. representing the voice of our various member segments on policy and legislation, um, and then turning that around and informing and educating our members on how laws and policies are going to Im impact them. And then also tracking very specific like water efficiency legislation, because we can yeah. track all of the water bills, but then what are the specific ones that are going to matter to you mm -hmm. as a conservation manager? Um, education. So also important to them was webinars, conferences, general training opportunities, and then program support. So assistance with, you know, implementing the framework or um, AMI, you know, switching over to AMI or landscape programs and determining the effectiveness of water saving programs. So really using our network in order to provide metrics for success. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And so hearing that was great because it validated a lot of the strategic plan of what we were trying to accomplish. Um, but it also, I think, provides a really interesting um, insight into working with membership generally. Yeah. Because, you know, there are some things that you assume that aren't necessarily true. It's nice to have a lot of this be validated. But, you know, something like advocacy where, you know, we had heard broadly several times from different people like, oh, be careful in advocacy, you can't do that. But we were hearing very loud and clear from our members, like, no, we want you involved in advocacy. Yeah. And so being able to say, okay, great. Like we're going to take that and we're going to run with it. We're going to present. So we've presented the listening tour to our membership at a plenary. We're going to be doing a webinar on it as well to really go through, um, to go through it in depth with our, our membership as well. We'll be posting it online soon. Um, but this is a way for people to see themselves really reflected in our work. Um, and then I mentioned businesses because I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm constantly curious. I think, I, you know, like you said, I've worked with Imaginate 2.0 and I love what they're doing. I think it's super important um, to bring the business community and particularly a lot of the innovative, you know, companies to the table. Yes, but what does that yeah. look like and how, like, we do, you know, pitches and we do showcases and we have exhibitor halls but like what's the next step there you know yeah. how can we actually um bring businesses more meaningfully in to the table mm -hmm. um and so they had some great ideas in terms of like you know beyond access but really helping businesses were like you know we want to pitch but more than that we want to hear from water providers and utilities like what are they struggling with what's the need you know yep. what what is the need? How can we help it? What are the barriers? You know, how, how does this move through? Because water, you know, water providers are a whole different world for a lot of businesses. They don't get how they work. And some of them do, and that's amazing. And, um, you know, they're able to form some really meaningful partnerships. Um, but, you know, kind of looking at the work Imagine H2O is doing, especially through their policy program that they're relaunching, um, yeah. and then seeing how we can you know, complement that with bringing businesses and agencies together in a more meaningful, less sales pitchy, you know, kind of way is really important. Um, and the other partnership that I will 
that I'll mention coming out of the listening tour and out of some conversations recently that I'm really interested in in particular is the relationship between community-based organizations and utilities. Oh yeah. Um, So, you know, I think historically, especially in California, we have like big environmental groups, but in every community you have, you know, in in Sacramento, for example, we have the Sacramento Trees Foundation and they work on planting trees and, you know, keeping uh, your tree healthy and, you know, all of their, their great community-based organization. And they're partnering right now with the regional water authority um, to put together a ton of videos around tree care and, you know, how they can impact your water use and kind of all of that. And we're seeing those videos being shared on levels higher than either one could do on their own. Teaching audiences broader. And it's like, if we as an organization can bring these people together, um, can help highlight what's working and provide a model for other communities to do the same, like that can go beyond California for sure. but figuring out, you know, a lot of it just takes people like taking a deep breath and realizing that they can work together exactly. um, and that they're not, and that they're not enemies and that they're actually, you know, we're, we're pretty much all on the same team here. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited about that work as well. Yeah. Um, and hearing, you know, from those members in the listening tour was really important. Yeah. I feel like Imagine H2O was also an eye opener for us too, and that, um, it's really created a, a different perspective for me after coming from working in the utility and just understanding how important it is for utilities to be at the same table as these businesses, especially those that are innovating or coming up with new solutions because, you know, they don't want to be spinning their wheels working on solutions for a problem that doesn't even exist, but they're not going to know what problems truly need a solution if they don't hear back from the utilities. So that's one thing that I've really of, you know, say more often out loud is for any utility listening, like if you ever have the opportunity to have a conversation with someone in that world, like please have it because like that collaboration is what's going to really be making the, the, the new technologies or the innovations or the solutions that are actually going to solve some of these problems that we have. So I love that you guys are taking a role in, in bringing those two parties together. Um, my request as, you know, being now a part of the public communication and outreach committee for AWE, like I would love to see some kind of webinar come out that's not even specifically tied about the, the, the listening campaign that you guys have done specifically, but just like how you guys did it and how you guys have been outreaching to your members and, and getting their feedback and then implementing it. Because I think that that's an important message for any association or organization out there that's trying to, I mean, you should be a part of a, an association or an, or an organization that has membership so that you can provide value to them. And so many times uh, we're kind of just guessing what they need. And so I really love that you guys are taking the time and putting the work and effort into actually finding out what exactly it is that they need. Because like you said, not only is it validating, but now you know for sure that the work that you're doing is what they actually want. So I would love to see you guys put out, it doesn't necessarily have to be a webinar, but I figured that would be the easiest thing, but mm-hmm. just some kind of like thing that others can turn to when they're like, Oh, that's a good idea. I want to do that. I wonder how someone else did it. So. Yeah. You could do a webinar or like sessions or something. I I'm fascinated by it. I think it's, it's really crucial. And again, replicable outside of California. Exactly. Yeah. Anywhere. It's amazing for any organization, mm-hmm. but I'm going to like take a little turn and go into a different, uh, different topic. When I, I talked about you and collaboration 
uh, earlier. And, you know, like I said, you're tied in with so many different people and different organizations that are both public and private. Why do you believe that collaboration in the water sector is so important? I saw this question earlier. I mean, you guys sent it to me a while ago and I was like, <laughs> oh man, why do I, I'm like, it's, you know, it's asking like, why is water important? I'm like, because it is. You know? yeah. Well, it's so innate in you. I know, but like, if but you if had I, to yeah. tell someone else. If I had to tell someone else, I think it would be that water is such a, a large issue that touches every aspect of people's lives in ways that they don't even understand, right? Because already today we've talked about ag, residential, commercial, we've talked about, I mean, we haven't talked about water quality, but we can talk about water quality. We've talked about the environment, right? right? Like water is the thing that sustains us all. Talked about wine. We did talk about wine and beer. And beer. <laughs> That's um, my priorities. Yeah. So it, you know, so having such an essential resource be something that also has silos and mm -hmm. people not talking to each other um, and not collaborating just feels backwards to me. I'm like, yes. nope, we can all, because no matter what position you are on a single issue, and I, I said this earlier too, for me, we're all on the same team. Everyone that works in the water space agrees that water is important. It can be important to you for a different reason, but right. we're all on the same team that water is a precious resource. We all know, you know, I would say most of us understand that with climate change, with growing populations, a lot of our water, we're facing a lot of new water challenges. Yeah. And we can disagree on how we approach those challenges. But if we're not collaborating and communicating our views to each other, mm -hmm. and we're just making assumptions or refusing to work with other people, we're going to have a much harder time addressing the, the challenges that we're facing right now. And so yeah. for me, collaboration is, um, I think, paramount to any way forward, any success that I see. Ah, I it's it. just so nice to get someone else to say it besides us. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here, guys. Just, just your talking points. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> so we, um, you know, a few weeks ago, we were all at the Water Smart Innovations uh, Conference mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. And mm -hmm. I just want to know what Tia's biggest takeaways, um, you know, your favorite parts. And obviously, Heads Up was my favorite. <laughs> but sure. and if anyone doesn't know what Heads Up is, Google it. Download it. It's in your Download app store. <laughs> we can do a video of us playing heads up. Yes. Um, we'll have to get Kellogg on it. So um, I would say my biggest takeaway from this year. So this was my first Water Smart Innovations, which was really fun. Yeah, I know. What? I always, well, because for the last many years, it was yeah. like we would send our like program managers or, sure. yeah. you know, the people that, whatever needed to go I needed to go so I got to go this year which was really exciting awesome. um and I spent most of my time not in sessions which I heard <laughs> that there were some fantastic sessions there were and I the ones that I did go to I was blown away yeah um and that plays into my biggest takeaway which is that people is our greatest asset mm. I am mm. I'm consistently blown away in this space of the pe the caliber of people that are working in it and um you know, going out to dinner and sitting around a table with five people who all have completely different skill sets and yeah. being like, yep, 
we all get along, we all have the same vision, and yet we're all doing such different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and having something like Water Smart Innovations to bring everyone together in order to share what those are and identify new opportunities for collaboration. Mm-hmm. I feel like a broken record at this part. Um, Not girl, you keep spinning it. Yeah, that was my that was my biggest takeaway was people. The people yeah. are rocking it. And that's how I know that we're besties now <laughs> because we, uh, I was actually just talking to Ariane about, uh, we're going to do a kind of like a recap episode on the 36 hours that we got to spend in WebTech <laughs> before we came to WSI. And that was one of my biggest takeaways was the people part where, you know, we, water is such a niche thing that people outside of it, like our husbands, they tolerate how we talk about and our friends outside of it. They're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Water. But like nobody gets it like your water family does. And that's really why this industry feels like such a family because we can bring up some random, uh, you know, we can all say like drought 2013 and all have like an idea of what that means (laughs) or, you know, we got a picture the other day from our friend, um, I'm going to give him a shout out. Steve Drangshol. I call him Dragon Shots. That's his name. Um, He like sent us a picture of them doing a water palooza with like 200 kids. And like he could probably send that same picture to his mom or grandma or friend or whatever. And they're like, oh, cute. But we look at it and we're like, oh, my God. And we can like imagine being there and like teaching the kids about water and this and that and like really connect on a, you know, deeper level. And um, I think it's so fun that we get to, we all share this same passion. And like you said, we all may have different reasons why we're in it or what our um, top passion project is within the industry, but we're just like water. I mean, we're all connected and we all, you know, we all share that passion. Yeah. Really yeah. good. Nerdy I feel, family. Yeah. <laughs> I feel super lucky. Lucky. Yeah, I guess lucky that I, you know, not being an engineer and not being, you know, a PhD yeah. policy person, yep. still be right at the table with these folks and, yeah. and they're, they see value in my work and I see value in their work. And that like common respect, I think is something that there's, there's way less posturing in the water mm. space as in others that I've been in. And it's, um, it's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah. Just like water. So you kind of just always draw in people to you. You've got like that natural charisma where it's like, I want to be that chick's friend, but like (laughs) what's some advice you can give to the, the YPs, the young professionals out there who are kind of just getting into this networking game. Totally. I have lots of advice for them because (laughs) it's not, you know, I think once I get in it, I'm like, yeah, I'm here, but I get nervous before networking events and I do my research. You know, sometimes I feel like a stalker, but it's cool. Um, (laughs) We call those sleuthers and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Cool. So my advice for young professionals is like, do your sleuthing ahead of time. Be prepared walking in. Know a couple of people that you'd like to talk to and and have questions lined up for them. Um, One of my rules that carries over from community organizing, which I've done a bad job of this, but you guys are interviewing me, so it's okay. Um, is that I generally try to maintain, never really hit, but my goal is like an 80-20 rule when I'm networking of listening 80%, talking 20%. Um, you know, it, it generally evens out more like 60-40 probably. Yeah. But 
really going in thinking, how can I get people talking to me and telling me their story versus walking in and telling them. Um, And then my other biggest one is not being afraid to laugh, um, especially at yourself. Yeah. So um, I think that is something that you just, you have like people, everyone's been in this situation before. We've all been to networking events where we don't know anyone. We've all been the person in the room that's like, well, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go fill up my plate with food because I don't know. <laughs> to yeah. to, Shoveling know? it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, smiling, laughing, making eye contact and not being afraid to just dive in and ask someone like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. Like, what's yeah. your name? What do you do? One time, so sidebar, one time I was at a networking event for an organization that I worked for and I was so nervous. I was like 20, I think. Mm. And I walked up to this guy and I was like, Hey, um, Tia, what do you do? And he was like, I run this organization and I worked for the organization. I didn't know what he looked like. And I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Okay, bye. <laughs> and that was my like, I always need to look up pictures of people because I yeah. need to know what people look like because that was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Arian was actually laughing at me uh, because that's that was also what was cool about uh, going to WebTech and WSI this year is that through the podcast and through like Twitter, social media, we've made so many connections, but not in real life. And so at, at both of these conferences, there were instances where we were meeting these people in person for the first time. And I would just be like, uh, oh, there goes so-and-so or, oh, I think that's so-and-so. And she was like, dang, Hawkeye over here. Yeah. <laughs> and they know them by like their Twitter handle or something like, yeah, hashtag I love water and you're like, I mean, at I love water or whatever. And you're like, Oh, that's, that's not their real name. But yeah. yeah. So that was uh yes. Look up those pictures. Yeah. Cause that's uh, or like maybe like know the handle name too. Cause that's a good conversation starter. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, what's up uh, at water Jedi, you know, like you, yeah. I don't even know what your real name is. <laughs> totally. And then you laugh and it's it like you started the yeah. conversation, you know, on a good foot. Yes. And for the record, as Arian said, we know Water Jedi's real name, but yes, that is his handle. But <laughs> So there's not a lot of love, at least, I mean, politically right now for the environment in a lot of ways. And um, initially when I was coming up with these questions, Water Sense uh, had not been authorized, but now we can say that it has been. So that there's a win. Um <laughs> But so that's a win for us. But where do you see conservation and efficiency heading, like both in California, but also for the rest of the country? That's a great question. And, you know, unfortunately, I think on the political side of things, things are kind of uh, all over the place right now. Yeah. But I hold true to the fact that water conservation and efficiency are is mandatory. Like we did, I don't see us having an, another option mm-hmm. outside of needing to conserve and needing to be efficient in California. We just passed this big legislation. And so I think we're, we're on a pretty clear path in terms of where we're headed. Um, you know, nationally, I'm very grateful for organizations like the Alliance for Water Efficiency who are, you know, not backing down from any of the challenges that we're facing, who are still, you know, pushing something like water sense authorization through Congress right now, I'm sure, you know, like that's amazing that we were able to get that done. And I think it shows, it plays to the fact that 
something like water conservation and efficiency doesn't need to be so polarizing. Everyone can kind of agree that this is something that is a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think continuing down that path of really talking about it more as a common sense solution and less of a, you know, I don't know, left-wing conspiracy, which no one really does. That's like <laughs> the farthest I could think of yeah. that was different. Yeah. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you know, what we need to do. And, you know, largely at the end of the day, I think a lot of the work that we do comes down to the local level. It comes down to what's actually happening yeah. at, you know, each water provider's community, in each water provider's community. And so um, staying engaged on that level, I think is really probably yeah. the most important work. I think that's like probably one of the biggest, um, I don't know, juxtapositions in terms of that, whereas like water is, can become so political and so divisive. And yet it's like probably one of the chillest elements around like <laughs> neutral. And I mean, it just kind of meanders and um, is always like trying to make friends with whatever's there, which is why it gets polluted so easily. And, and somehow we've managed to make it this, highly politicized thing but I think we all just need to be a little bit more more like water and just go with the flow I mean we can't no be buying yeah. those tickets <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that it's um that's that's totally real and you know both needing to be more like water to understand that but then also uh, like like we have a reckoning of like we've gotten ourselves into this incredibly politicized place with water and like how the heck are we gonna move past that yeah um we're working on it we're, we're doing our best and it's definitely not easy i hope every single day it's we have fun doing it but it's mm -hmm. not easy yeah she especially has fun doing it with me next to her like this all day yes i can tell that we're getting closer to the lightning round because arianne has gotten extremely close to me now <laughs> <laughs> you really wants on that mic. <laughs> hey, Hi. Um, okay. Ready for the lightning round, 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 round. Bring it. Okay. Tia, what is your favorite book right now that you can recommend to all of us? I recommend a book called Gold Fame Citrus. Ooh. Oh, what? What is that? One second, yeah, one second recap. It's a, it is kind of like a dystopian future novel. It's my favorite book. I've read it twice. Um, and it's based in the West and mostly California post-apocalyptic drought. And there's no more water. Wow. wow. It's like Mad Max of water, huh? Totally. Yeah. I love that cool. Mad Max like was kind of centered around water. This one's fun because they talk about like the Department of Water Resources and they talk about like yeah. all the different dams and projects and infrastructure and it's mm -hmm. you know the nerd in me was like oh yeah Heck yeah awesome okay what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity i'm a big planner mm -hmm. i have i still use a paper planner in fact um all I, the good ones do yep yeah planning is like my therapy so um, <laughs> when i get really stressed out or i feel like i have too much to do i'll oftentimes like press pause and open my planner and like work it out. And that for me is like, yeah, incredibly helpful for productivity. Um, yeah. Haven't I'll you planned this like here? This is like thoughts in my brain that I needed to get out. Cause I was just like, Oh, she's here. showing you hers now. 
This is bad for a podcast to like show you something, but okay, we can just describe it. Ooh, oh, I'm not editing that. No, that book, colorful. We ha- I saw a like- water drop on there. It's true. It's fun, and but like that's part of it, right? It's like the creativity of creating my plan. Yeah, and that's why I like pen to paper. Yeah, yeah. There's something yeah. about There's something. That. Yeah, I I have to draw it out too. I feel you. Oh, um. So okay. So in our line of work, I'm sure you've heard this too, where people are like, well, what difference does it make if I change this or if I do that? I'm just one person. I'm not going to make a difference. But, you know, we don't, we wholeheartedly disagree with that because we think that change can be contagious and that, you know, you never know what your actions are going to inspire someone else to do. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? I could not think of a right answer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was Stumped like, a million things. That's great. Um, I'm just going to plug right now because of where we are on the date that people need to vote. People need Ooh, to. Yeah. So I took it somewhere else, a little bit, a little bit else. Um, that's, you fine. know, it's a, but it's the same kind of thing of like individual action. Like if we can take that and, and bring it across all of our different parts of our lives, mm-hmm. we can. We can get our voice heard by voting. We can save our water by not, you know, turning off the water while we're brushing our teeth or watering our lawns less or differently or getting a smarter, whatever it is, like harnessing that power. I think it's contagious. I think when you do it and you're passionate about it, your friends and family also see it. Um, One of the things I've been doing recently for my, to like help harness my own feelings about voting and whatnot is that. I've been doing Instagram live videos with my friend going through all the different propositions in California on the ballot and talking through them for my friends who aren't political and trying to like meet people where they're at and and figure it out. So the voting is really important to me. Being engaged is really important to me. Um, Being part of the process. I think everyone should get their ownership on. Well, tell us your um, Instagram handle so people can check it out because this should drop before the, um, or maybe not. I don't know. Well, tell us your Instagram handle anyway. (laughs) (laughs) My Instagram handle is just, oh no, you know what? My Instagram handle is at Tapa underscore Tia, like Tapatio, but it's Tapatia. So that's a cool, interesting, kind of embarrassing fact about me. (laughs) (laughs) I too have. uh, Is it because you like Tapatio? Because I love Tapatio. Um, I do. I love hot sauce. Sure. Let's say that's the reason. Why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on that note, <laughs> yeah. well, um, I feel like since some, when we met at Imagine H2O and um, with Noshley, who is your Ariane. Shout um, out. I get to be Noshley. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> we felt like kindred spirits and, um, it's, it's always a blast to hang out with you and, um, both like professionally and personally. And so we definitely appreciate you taking out the time today to chat with us. And we're so excited that you, you know, we're great to hang out with us on the podcast for a little while. Yeah, totally. It's great. I can't wait until we see each other in real life again. And also I'll say, you know, huge shout out and kudos to you guys for doing this podcast. I've been listening. One of your listeners. Appreciate you. And it's fun. It's fun to, I think you guys create um, more accessibility to a lot of the things that we think about every day. So thank you for having me on. 
Oh, thank you. Aw, well, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Be sure to visit the h2duo.com forward slash water in real life for the show notes. We timestamp them for you and we include links to any of the resources we mentioned during the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list. I promise we don't bug you. We just let you know when podcasts are released. And, you know, we only send something out when we have something legit to say. If you're an iTunes listener, do us a solid and rate and review us there. And hey, now we're on Spotify, so you could follow us there if that's your jam. You can also keep up with us and our shenanigans on Instagram and Twitter at the underscore H2 duo. Shout out to our sponsor for this episode, Drop Counter. Imagine H2O brought us together and it's been awesome to collaborate with them on communication initiatives. Learn more about them and what they have going on at theh2duo.com forward slash drop counter. And be sure to sign up for their mailing list because it is also legit. We hope you learned something new today, got a little different perspective, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goals. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. 